Dolan Mercer on Manx Radio. Fast am I. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Perspective. On the programme today... A minority of people were against 20 mile per hour urban schemes when proposed. Generally, the local residents, pedestrians, cyclists, were all in favour. But some other motorists opposed the 20 mile per hour schemes. Simply putting signs out and publicising a change does not change everyone's behaviour overnight. An element of enforcement is required on any speed limit to encourage compliance. But what is clear is that speeds do reduce when 20 mile per hour speed limit signs are put in place. It's one of the more well-trodden paths in Manx politics, and Timwald failed to agree on a move to change the speed limit policy on the island's roads. Politicians weren't discussing a national speed limit on this occasion, though, but specifically what the maximum should be on particular types of roadway. Following a debate in Parliament, we then heard a motorist was recorded going through a quiet village at 90 miles an hour, three times the limit there. A survey was carried out in St Mark's by Maloo commissioners. They had installed a device called a Smiley SID, which showed that over just a week, 1,263 drivers were at least 20 miles an hour over the limit there. So what should the speed limit be? What roads should it apply to? How do we enforce it? What difference does it make? And above all, how do we improve road safety? Well, in the next 50 minutes or so, we'll hear the views of several MHKs on the topic. Then we'll hear from the chair of Maloo Commissioners, who carried out that survey in St Mark's, and from Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker on his department's stance. The topic of speed limits was raised in the July sitting of Timwald by middle MHK Bill Shimmins, a big supporter of active travel on the island, who argued that the maximum speed limit to apply on urban roads should be 20 miles an hour, and on narrow rural lanes it should be 30 miles an hour. Part of the reason for this programme this week is that the debate's set to return again in October after members of Parliament couldn't reach a decision. We'll have more on that later. But in setting out his stall for the debate, Mr Shimmins was on his feet for almost 25 minutes. I won't play you the whole thing. You can listen in full on the Timwald website's Listen Again service if you wish. But here's some of what he had to say. It is a global debate. The World Health Organisation has stated that when pedestrians are hit by cars travelling at 30 miles per hour, 50% of them will die. Whereas when a pedestrian is hit by a car at 20 miles per hour, then 90% will survive. In February this year, transport ministers from around the world met in Sweden to agree how to improve road safety and the damage that KSI collisions cause. KSI stands for killed and seriously injured. The assembled ministers from more than 80 countries signed up to the Stockholm Declaration. Amongst other commitments, they agreed to point 11 in the declaration, which states, focus on speed management, including the strengthening of law enforcement to prevent speeding and mandate a maximum road travel speed of 30 kilometres per hour in areas where vulnerable road users and vehicles mix in a frequent and planned manner except where strong evidence exists that higher speeds are safe, noting that efforts to reduce speed in general will have a beneficial impact on air quality and climate change, as well as being vital to reduce road traffic death and injuries. <coughs> 30 kilometres per hour equates to 18.75 miles per hour. Most countries, using imperial measures, round this up to 20 miles per hour. 20s plenty has become the norm in many places in the United Kingdom. In Wales, the First Minister, Mark Drakeford, committed to adopt this limit last year. There is a plethora of surveys, reviews and statistics on 20 mile per hour limits in urban areas. The Welsh Government conducted a comprehensive review in 2018 of many of these evidence papers. I circulated these to the honourable members last week and I hope that you found this helpful. Last week, the Senate voted in favour in Cardiff of progressing 20 mile per hour limits as a default position. 
Edinburgh is one of many places which has used 20 mile per hour limits to drive positive outcomes for its citizens. A detailed review was conducted in September 2019 by Edinburgh University in conjunction with the National Institute of Health Research and the Scottish Collaboration for Public Health Research and Policy. The key findings were speeds dropped, not actually that much, but there was also a 38% reduction in collisions. There were also a reduction in collision rates for severity levels, killed and seriously injured and slight. Reductions have also been seen in collisions involving pedestrians, cyclists, motorcyclists, young children and the elderly. Unlike elsewhere, local authorities do not have the authority here to set speed limits. So the views of local people tend to be stymied. The whole process takes a lot of time and energy and the end result is no change and just increased frustration all round. So that is why I have included a 30 miles per hour narrow rural lane limits. As I say, there's less evidence. But I do hope that honourable members will support this to improve the quality of life of those residents living along these lanes. I am confident it will also produce similar positive outcomes as to the urban 20 miles per hour limits where there's reams of evidence. And it will reduce the number of collisions and improve the other positive outcomes. Honourable members should be aware that until recently the collation of the Isle of Man collision data has been inconsistent without standard methodology. That has now changed. It has been improved. But it does mean that until recently it's not been possible to record speed as a contributory factor in serious collision reports. So our data set is limited. Honourable members should also be aware that sadly there have been a number of fatalities on narrow rural lanes in recent years. I submit that despite the lower level of evidence base for a narrow rural lane for a 30 miles per hour limit, common sense should apply and we should adopt this rather than a de-restricted limit in these locations. So to summarise, there are a number of positive outcomes which will accrue from this motion. Firstly, speeds reduce next to people's homes. This helps improve residents' quality of life. Children can walk to school. The elderly can cross the road. Secondly, it helps less confident and elderly drivers. Some of our community feel pressured on our roads. They would appreciate a bit more time and patience from others. Thirdly, there are fewer serious collisions. We know that from the evidence. This helps the police create capacity to deal with other serious matters. Fourthly, fewer people die or are seriously injured in road collisions. This helps individuals and families avoid trauma and pain. It helps the National Health Service, enabling our doctors and nurses to help other patients. Lastly, more people walk and cycle. That's what we want. This helps create more capacity on our congested road network. More active travellers feel safer on the roads. At an island and an individual level, this helps improve our health. Honourable members, if you want to help, then please support this motion. That was middle MHK Bill Shimmins addressing Timwald colleagues in July. He was supported by a member of the Legislative Council, Kerry Sharp, who agreed with many of his points. She pointed to the calmness of the COVID-19 lockdown. One of the abiding memories most people will have from lockdown is how many more people used their precious one hour a day of exercise to get out. Walking and cycling on the back roads, running on the pavement. And the Chief Minister mentioned this earlier today. Time and again, I met families who were on footpaths for the first time 
telling me how they'd set off for a walk on a twisty back road and then spotted a footpath they'd never known existed. As we now know, the island's bike shops sold out of stock. There was a waiting list for bicycle repairs. Such was the impact of people discovering the joys of running, walking and cycling through our beautiful back roads. The last time I'd seen a similar surge in physical activity like this was after the first Laxey flood of this century, when the bridge at Old Laxey collapsed. For almost a year, Old Laxey was car-free, with the result that children in the area began walking to school and playing out. Initially, after the bridge was rebuilt, there were no road markings, and motorists would give way to pedestrians, and sometimes vice versa. However, interestingly, when the traditional road markings were put back in, motorists began to assume priority over pedestrians once more. And that was really sad. But in terms of an experiment, it taught me that motorists and pedestrians can learn new habits and actually share road space very sensibly if the necessary environment is put in place. That was Kerry Sharp, MLC. Many were critical of Mr Shimmons's proposals, though, and disagreed with him and with Mrs Sharp. Former Infrastructure Minister Ray Harmer argued the lockdown calmness wasn't due to speed limits. One of the fundamental issues, and it is a change, and it is a change in the road safety strategy, and it has to be sort of highlighted here, is the fact that there isn't a road that is um, sacrosanct, that it has to remain at a particular speed limit and can't be altered, but actually, if the environment is correct, if, the, if it means it's safer, um, then we do need to change it. But I would echo the point, uh, I think the, the, the member for Douglas East was um, just hit on absolutely the right point. It's about relative speeds, and unfortunately, part of the motion doesn't really concentrate on the relativity. And why is that important? Because just to make the court aware, there was no change to town centre speeds during the pandemic, but we all noticed a reduction of speeds in the town centre. And I have to say, for one, I actually enjoyed the uh, reduction in speed, particularly because there wasn't that pressure. There wasn't that pressure to continue to go from A to B, A to B. And the key shift, and it is a key shift, it isn't about any more about from the design about going A to B as quickly as possible. If it is, you have every right to, to, to be annoyed by that pedestrian that's getting in your way and, and or the cyclist that's getting in your way. It's a change. We all have to share that space. We're all together in this. And, 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 and that is the fundamental. So whatever the outcome of the actual motion, the debate itself has actually highlighted game change. And I, I want to take that as, as a very important point. In simple terms, some just didn't like the wording of what Mr Shimmins had put forward. Ledgeco newbie Peter Greenhill took issue with the specific terms in the motion put before Timwald. Firstly, I fully agree with the safety principles expressed by the Honourable Member for Middle. <clears throat> However, I'm very concerned with the lack of definition of the terms urban roads and rural lanes. Secondly, um, Mr Mercer's amended motion goes some way forward, but without the definitions of these terms, I could not agree with it yet. For me, it must be clear which roads have what limits when. And in a similar fashion, Douglas Central MHK Anne Corlett said Mr Shimmins had been too vague. I cannot support the member for Middles motion as it's just too broad. But I do agree that on narrow lanes and in many, many residential areas there should be a reduced speed limit. Many busy residential areas have narrow roads with cars parked on both <coughs> sides, forcing pedestrians to cross roads between parked cars. Junctions in residential areas have restricted visibility because of parked cars. Drivers look for quicker, quieter routes as shortcuts away from the main road. All these things compounding the problems. We do need to create a more livable environment within our towns. I do believe that the roads surrounding schools should be the priority. But perhaps the main opposition came from current Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker, whose department has responsibility for overseeing the island's roads, of course. Mr Baker tabled an amendment. He wanted Timwald colleagues to confirm continued support for the road safety strategy and action plan 2019-2029. to 2029. 
In effect, if he was successful, Mr Shimmins's proposition would be thrown out by Mr Baker's amendment and status quo would be maintained. Let's listen to Mr Baker's reasoning. I am grateful for the Honourable Member's continued interest in, in and support for speed management and road safety. I share his aims and objectives as I too want to make the island a safer place to live and work with reduced deaths and serious injuries and improved quality of life. Speed is, with good reason, an emotive issue, and it's a complex issue too. As one of the principal issues being addressed in the road safety strategy that was approved by this Honourable Court in December 2018, it is at the core of my department's objectives to reduce road risk. In conjunction with the Alman Constabulary, my department is addressing speed management. Members will wish to know that my department is working to introduce 20 mile per hour zones in all residential areas of the island's towns. I am pleased to be able to advise the, the Honourable Member of a number of initiatives already in place that go some way towards addressing his wishes. Last year, the Department of Infrastructure started to review the extent of 20 mile per hour provision in towns on the island and to expand that provision. 20 mile per hour limits are being considered on residential roads with a low design speed or where, they, or where they can be calmed to achieve low vehicle speeds. They will also be considered on other roads that are part of shared space schemes, regeneration schemes, limited vehicular access schemes or environmental schemes where again these roads can be calmed or influenced to achieve low vehicle speeds. We will pay special attention to schools though other measures such as changing parking provisions will also have to be considered here. We cannot simply put 20 mile per hour signs up on roads that are not suited to the, these limits. Would drivers stick to a 20 mile per hour limit on Peel Road in Douglas, past the Douglas Rugby Club, on the New Castletown Road, on the Castletown Bypass? All could be caught by a blanket designation, but none will work. This approach is, is in keeping with the UK Department of Transport advice for 20 mile per hour zones that places some restrictions on their use so as not to let them fall into disrepute. It does not enable us to introduce 20 mile per hour speed limits on all urban roads, but it does encompass the vast majority of what we would all think of as residential roads. We must still be able to allow higher vehicle speeds on inter-urban links and other key roads on the high network so that they can continue to support social and economic wellbeing. I realise that the member would like more than this, but we can make significant progress by working with people so that we encourage them to drive slowly and safely rather than, rather than forcing them to choose between frustration and law-breaking. It is essential that 20 mile per hour zones should not be overused. UK experience has shown that when 20 mile per hour zones are introduced in the wrong circumstances, there is a backlash amongst road users towards both residents and highway authorities. This occurs when they are introduced in circumstances other than those for which they were originally envisaged and where they are not self-enforcing. This in turn leads to a high level of non-compliance which will completely de defeat the point of their introduction. 20 mile per hour zone reviews are taking place in Port St Mary and Castletown and specific proposals for each town have been discussed with the local commissioners. Recent progress has been hindered by the COVID-19 epidemic but I am pleased to announce that officers are currently developing further plans for Peel, Port Erin and Ramsey. Douglas and Onkin will follow. In addition, my department wants to take forward the creation of quiet lanes. We can introduce quiet lanes in rural areas on roads that are narrower than five metres in average width, have low overall vehicle speeds and flows of less than a thousand vehicles per day. Quiet lanes clearly signal that motorists should take additional care and recognise that they are sharing the main carriageway with pedestrians, cyclists and horse riders. Quiet lanes can be accompanied by a speed limit if appropriate, so the desired 30 mile per hour is certainly possible. Wider roads with higher flows are not going to work as quiet lanes. These roads function as interurban links that are designed to move people from centre to centre in a reasonable timescale. Because of finite resources, the quiet lane rollout is planned to start when the 20 mile per hour in towns project is complete, which could well be a couple of years away. I know that this isn't ideal. It would be great to be able to do both the urban and rural schemes at the same time, but we all know 
that resources are limited. We need to concentrate on the areas where we can make the most difference. So I want us to deal with residential roads in towns before we turn to rural lanes. I must stress that both 20 mile per hour zones and quiet lanes must have community support. They must not create significant problems for the emergency services or the bus service or businesses. We expect that there will be few objections provided that we follow the criteria for appropriateness and work with and consult the local communities, which we will, of course, do. So I am pleased to be able to offer the, Mr Shimmins positive news regarding his overall aims. However, since the Department of Infrastructure is already working on implementing policies that closely mirror his request, and because cases need to be assessed individually, I do not consider it appropriate to support the motion he has tabled. I am further able to provide my colleague with more positive news with regards to our ongoing commitment towards speed management on the island. The Road Safety Action Plan, as part of the Road Safety Strategy, has a commitment under Priority 15 to review and report the role of excess speed as a contributory factor in road traffic collisions on the island. I think it is in order for that report to be put before Timwald in December this year. <coughs> for these reasons, I have circulated an amendment to the motion. Honourable members will note that my amendment proposes that the text of the motion on the order paper be deleted entirely <coughs> and placed, replaced with the following. That Timwald confirms its continued support for the road safety strategy and action plan 2019 to 2029 and calls for the report required under priority 15 of that plan to be laid before the December 2020 sitting of Timwald. Honourable members, I absolutely agree that we need to have a sensible debate about speed on our roads. I agree that we need to reduce speeds in towns and on quiet lanes. My amendment simply proposes that we, that we do this based on local evidence in a manner that is entirely in keeping with the strategy and action plan with, that was, with the strategy and action plan that was approved in this honourable court in December 2018. This approach contrasts with the motion put forward by Mr. By Mr. Shimmis, who prescribes effectively the medicine, not the outcomes. And as drafted, I feel it is too broad to be supported. However much I like the ends that the Honourable Member seeks of reducing uh, deaths and serious injuries on our island's roads, I dislike the means that he is proposing to use to achieve them, however well-intentioned they, they clearly are. We cannot credibly pluck speed limits out of the air and apply them across a wide swathe of our island. We cannot use ill-defined broad brush criteria. How narrow is narrow? How are we to decide <coughs> if a village is urban or rural? Setting speed limits is like good driving. It should be done by trained people who are capable of assessing any and every risk that, prevents itself, that presents itself. We all want an island where people are not hurting our roads, but I want us to do that carefully and collectively so that we all commit to a shared goal. I therefore cannot support the original motion and hope that honourable members will support my amendment, which will ensure that we can drive forward in a safe and considered manner. Honourable Members, if it was as simple as Mr Shimmins says, then why did we need the Road Safety Strategy and Action Plan 2019-2029? We do need to push forward with that as planned, not simply to change speed limits arbitrarily and across the board. We need a sophisticated approach. Let's do this properly, and, uh, uh, rather than in the manner proposed. <coughs> Honourable Members, I commend the amendment to you and hope that you will support it. Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker there. Sure enough, counterparts in the Council of Ministers were soon in support, first through Home Affairs Minister Graham Crudeen. Uh, and I beg to second the amendment in Mr Baker's name. Mr President, <coughs> what we need is evidence on the proposals and a phased approach to any change. There's been much made about how people walked and cycled during the COVID lockdown period. But we must take into account the number of people who are not at work, and the number of people who are working from home. We have seen the change in traffic since uh, the start of the COVID period and from the change of uh, lockdown. The number of people now taking their children to school by car because they are on their way to work. Mr President, anybody who has uh, driven in from the south will possibly have come across one or two cyclists who are actively travelling into work. 
with the possible 20, 30, 40 cars stuck behind them all the way through from, say, the ferry bridge to Santon, and then trying to overtake. One of the issues, Mr President, we have is that some of the areas that we are hoping people will actively travel into, into the centre here are not designed for cyclists. We need to be able to adapt <coughs> some of our routes, maybe footpaths, so that people can actually separate the cyclists from the main traffic. It's going to have to be a phased approach. It's going to have to be with evidence. And it's, it's nice for members to say, but over the COVID period, people walked and people cycled. But they've given up their cycles to go to work now because they've got other things going on. They've got to get to work, they've got to go to school. I hope honourable members will support the, the amendment for Mr Baker because it will hopefully give us the evidence for a report to come back to this honourable court in December for us to make a balanced view on how we can implement the safer roads strategy. Because what we need to do is we need to make sure that people feel safe coming out of their houses. You know, in some of the villages, people are afraid to go to their cars because they were designed with, say, no pavements, so their houses are actually straight onto the roads. Some people are using their cars as a means for the safety outside their property as a barrier. Graham Crudine there. So we've had a motion from Bill Shimmins, one amendment from Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker. Then there was another amendment put forward from Rob Mercer, MLC. Mr Mercer agreed with Bill Shimmins for the most part, but his proposal basically gave the Infrastructure Department a get-out clause. He suggested the 20 mile an hour and 30 mile an hour limits should apply by default, but the department should identify exceptions to those rules where strong evidence exists that higher speeds are safe. Let's hear why. We've heard the Honourable Member for Middle, Mr Shimmins, opening remarks regarding his motion calling for speed limits for narrow, and, uh, for narrow rural lanes and for urban roads. And for the overwhelming body of evidence supporting a reduction in speed particularly in town and village centres. In our Manx context, many of our outlying roads are narrow rural lanes and the suggested speed limit for those is also welcomed. I also welcome the comprehensive contribution from my honourable colleague and council, Mrs Sharp, and our observations regarding how we have arrived at this point. I also welcome the schemes that the Minister, of Department, uh, Minister for Department of Infrastructure has mentioned just now, and I hope that my amendment can perhaps dovetail with the delivery of some of these ideas. It also respects the expertise that his department has in this regard and gives them time to consider which roads need the right speed for the right situation. However, when it comes to speed, there are always exceptions to the rule. And each of you will immediately think of a road or two in your constituency where these limits would not make sense, either because of their design, their location, or designation. My amendment seeks to allow exceptions to be made that will cover these outliers and it will allow the Department of Infrastructure to identify those exceptions. Using an exception-based approach allows time for consultation with local authorities and residents in areas where different speeds are supported. Managing by exception also requires less departmental time than analysing every single road that would otherwise be required. That was Rob Mercer speaking there. If you're just joining us here on Manx Radio's Perspective programme, we're reflecting on a recent debate of one of the more well-trodden paths in Manx politics. In July, Timwald failed to agree on a move to change the speed limit policy on the island's roads. Chris Robertshaw pointed out, first of all, that this debate had been inevitable. Um, it wasn't long after uh, Chief Minister sat down um, during the Covid crisis, after having said it, look, it's not up to us now to use emergency powers to uh, adjust speed limits permanently. It's a matter for Timwald. And almost immediately I thought, well, it won't be long before the esteemed Honourable Member for Middle 
will be with us in full flow, jacket off, telling us all <laughs> off. And sure enough. But Mr Robert Shaw also tried to articulate that speed limits are ineffective in isolation. It's all relative, he said, and spoke about the transition between different speed zones. I think with the greatest respect, we're obsessing about 20 and 30 miles an hour. I think it's quite amusing that, that uh, uh, the Honourable Member for Middle tells us that we must have, in, in Mr Shimon's usual fashion, we must have a 20 mile an hour speed limit um, in towns where the average speed is 19. Most of the people in Douglas at the moment will be delighted, <laughs> excited even, to travel at 20 miles an hour. I mean, whoopee. Um, and, then, and then he tells us, I mean, must have a 30 mile an hour, but actually it doesn't work very well. So I thought, well, where does that take us, apart from just imposing more rules and regulations? So I, I approached it from a different perspective, and, and um, I, I wasn't comfortable when uh, government imposed a 40 miles an hour speed limit during the crisis, but actually it was okay. I got used to it. It's the psychology of this, I think, I think we need to address more. Then I got used to 40 miles an hour, as I got used to 40 miles an hour, when I turned into a narrow road or so, I, my speed dropped. So what I would put to the court, uh, Mr President, this is all relative. I would argue that we need to start from the top. Why do we really, really need to scream around above 70 miles an hour or, or whatever? Well, I, I would argue that unless we're an emergency vehicle, there really isn't a need to do so. Chris Robertshaw there. Chris Thomas wanted colleagues to look at the bigger picture. I hate the fact that this has become tribal, as described this morning. I hate the fact that this is either pro-car, anti-cycle. I don't want to make this yeah. into pro-town, anti-people coming into our towns. That's not the way we should think about it. Every, every one of us needs to own, physically and mentally, beyond just legally, the place where we live. We need to retake the streets and the footpaths and the parks and the access to all those things around us. Kate Lord Brennan MLC is one of many members of the current administration, a growing list in fact, who've previously held a position within the Department of Infrastructure. Mrs Lord Brennan used to have responsibility for highways under former Minister Ray Harmer. She expressed some concern that a divisive issue was at risk of becoming a polarised debate. There is this kind of psychological, um, you know, effect of, of speed and a, and a culture where we which we want to avoid which is about you know this divisive thing between cars and cyclists. Garth MHK Martin Perkins spoke about public opinion on all of this. Firstly I congratulate the uh, member for Middle on his research uh, but I would have to say that this this is the Isle of Man and the feedback that I've received from the driving public is that they simply have had enough of government interference cycle lanes, bus lanes, not to mention the increased cost of road tax, it's driving them all up the wall. The only problem is they can't get to the wall because of all the roadworks. <laughs> Being serious though, honourable members, uh, we, there is not a member in this House who is not concerned with road safety and how we can improve it. As has been pointed out, there is a hardcore of drivers, no matter how many speed limit signs you put in place, and how occasionally you get the police to actually enforce that, these drivers will always break the law. So if road safety is our real concern, as an alternative, I suggest the key to it would be to have much better driver and public education. Martin Perkins there. His colleague in Garth, Daphne Kane, agreed. I'd also like to commend the Honourable Member for Middle for bringing this debate, um, which was categorically about narrow rural roads and speed within urban areas. Um, and I take my hat off to Mr Robert Shaw for, for raising the, uh, the national speed limit because the amount of email correspondence and comment that any mention of reviewing the national speed limit gets is phenomenal. And I don't think the Isle of Man community has determined where it sits on that. Um, I do know that the speed limit debate being tabled prompted more emails and messages to me than any other subject on this order paper, even more than Grey Partridge. There is a sense of 
personal freedom being eroded by the imposition of speed limits in the countryside and in the towns. Daphne Kane there. Now, as is customary in Timwald, Bill Shimmins then had the opportunity to respond to his parliamentary colleagues. With the debate fast approaching two hours in length, he reminded Timwald that parallel debates were going on across the world. Mrs Lord Brennan, I, I think, made some excellent point, points. She tried to, to provide a wider context to this in terms of, this is not extreme, honourable members. This is pretty basic in comparison to what's happening elsewhere as the rest of the world is taking action on road safety and on health. Um, this, this is certainly not, out, not in position. Um, closing streets perhaps might be in position. Um, the point that Mrs Lord Brennan said is the idle man which is out of step, which is what's happening elsewhere. Now, if you're happy for us to be out of step, you have to say this is the man. If you're happy to front that up to people you represent whose lives are negatively impacted by this, then vote for this. Vote for no change. If you want to see some change, then please vote for Mr Mercer's amendment, which builds on my original motion and provides and respects the professionalism in the Department of Infrastructure to do individual assessments. Also, it provides a timescale. So, it came down to a vote. A reminder, Bill Shimmins argued that the maximum speed limit to apply on urban roads should be 20 miles an hour, and on narrow rural lanes it should be 30 miles an hour. Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker wanted Timwald colleagues to confirm continued support for the road safety strategy and action plan 2019 to 2029. In effect, if Mr Baker was successful, Mr Shimmins's proposition would be thrown out, status quo would be maintained. Here's how the vote went. Honourable members, I will put to the court first uh, the amendment in the name of Mr Baker. In the event that that passes, it becomes a substantive motion to be voted on. If Mr Baker's amendment fails to carry, I will then put Mr Mercer's amendment. Is that clear? So, honourable members, those in favour of Mr Baker's amendment, please say aye. Aye. Against no. No. The ayes have it. The ayes have it. Aye, sorry. Divide. Division called. Mr President, in the keys 16-4, 6 against. And in the council, 2-4, and six against. The branches are in disagreement, therefore the amendment fails to carry. President, may I uh, carry it forward for a combined vote, please? You are entitled to make that request, and you have done so. All voting is halted until the next sitting. Combined vote will be taken then. Mr Baker calling for a combined vote on his amendment means the President of Timwald will count the views of MHKs and MLCs all in one go. That'll happen in the October sitting. If nobody changes their mind over the summer recess, then Mr Baker's amendment will win. Timwald will proceed with its support of the road safety strategy and action plan currently in place. But it wouldn't take many changes of hearts, though, and we would then see a vote on whether or not the maximum speed limit to apply on urban roads should be 20 miles an hour, and on narrow rural lanes should be 30 miles an hour. Watch this space. Less than a week after that debate had taken place, we then learned of a report which showed the number of people breaking speed limits in a village in the south of the island. One motorist was recorded travelling through St Mark's at more than 90 miles per hour. Maloo commissioners recently installed a Smiley SID speed monitor. Over just a week, it recorded more than 1,200 drivers passing through the village at least 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Some were in excess of 70 and 80 miles an hour. As I mentioned, one reached more than 90. Pretty eye-watering stuff. The chairman of the local authority behind that survey, Nigel Baisley, said the commissioners knew speeding was a problem, but they hadn't realised how bad the situation was there. Reflecting on some of that data, he spoke to John Moss. We knew there was speeding going on, but I don't think we actually appreciated just how fast some of these cars are actually going. 
this is this is a village with people crossing roads and you know, livestock, etc. And given the amount of accidents we've had in St. Mark's in the last month or four, including a lorry, it's you know this just really proves out. This wasn't the middle of the night. I mean, some people say it must have happened in the early hours. This wasn't in the early hours. It was before midnight, before 10 o'clock. It was between between 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock. It was recorded at 90 miles an hour. Um, And that was coming towards Balasala. It's going westerly direction. You've got 1,263 over 50 miles an hour. All those are basically breaking the speed limit. They are breaking the speed limit, and not by a minor amount. We're not talking somebody in a... 30 zone doing 35 these are significant uh, speed limits you know as you say 50 mile an hour 1263 uh, <laughs> going over 50 mile an hour uh, 20 miles an hour over the speed limit the the question is i suppose what can you do about it well we have to do something because unfortunately it will be too late when somebody dies and you know it can be any you know the driver killing themselves they could kill some innocent child these are villages where people walk across roads, you know, and if you're doing 90 or even 50 mile an hour, what chance is somebody, particularly if they've got poor eyesight or sort of unstable, how are they going to get across that road? How would, can they judge your speed? Would speed cameras be the answer? I, I'm a very strong advocate of uh, portable speed cameras, to be honest with you, but um, not fixed ones, I think, random ones, because people have got to realise that they need to slow down. It's got to be a, a set of measures. We've got to be able to introduce things that, like changing the uh, tarmac colour, for example, as you come into a village. Visual indicators that you're in a different zone now and you need to behave appropriately with your speed. You know, because we, we've got some poor road signs around here at the moment. I challenge you, to, for example, to go around Balasala. The 20 mile an hour marks that were put on the road have just deteriorated and the DOI have to bear some responsibility for not maintaining the roads in a suitable manner, to be honest with you. In, in Holland, they have hologram potholes, don't they? Do they work? Well, I, I, well they might work, but I, my, my theory on that is it does slow the down traffic, but I think after a while people get used to the fact that they're there, especially on an island this size. People drive the regular routes. They would know they were just holograms and they would ignore it. I, I really think they would ignore it. Uh, maybe traffic islands, but then that would slow the flow of the traffic down. So if people want the flow of the traffic, but we want to keep the speeds happy, then cameras seem to be the only way that we can enforce this. That was the chairman of Maloo Commissioners, Nigel Baisley, speaking to John Moss. Well, Sean Cowper got Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker's reaction to some of those numbers. Well, ridiculous, to be honest, and, and totally inconsiderate from whoever's whoever's doing that. There's there's no cause for driving through the centre of the village. I know St Mark's very well, having grew up in Balasala. It's, it's it's just inappropriate, and uh, I hope whoever has done it um, needs to you know reflect and uh, consider other other road users um, because their behaviour uh, it might be very pleasurable, but their for them, but their behaviour has uh, adverse consequences, and sometimes they can be fatal, and we, we we absolutely don't want those sort of things happening. Is your department going to be working with the commissioners to try and find some some traffic management solutions? Well. We've got uh, a clear commitment to uh, improve road safety. Um, the road safety strategy went through Timwald um, circa 18 months or so ago, and the road safety action plan, uh, again, was uh, laid before Timwald, sets out a 10-year um, action plan, um, which is a cross-government thing, and it's uh, DOI clearly is, is integral to that, as is uh, Department of Home Affairs. Um, and we've got a multifaceted approach to... Uh, working towards the objective of significantly reducing our KSI, so killed and seriously injured incidents. And speed limits is part of that, but it's not the whole story. Um, it's There's cultural issues, there's road design issues. Um, we absolutely, as a community, need to... Uh, Need need to embrace this as as as, a, as an issue, but you know, as as the example showed, you can set whatever speed limit you like, but people have to abide by it, and there has to be enforcement. You talk there about speed limits. We know um, in your constituency, we know Michael commissioners have been keen to see a twenty mile per hour speed limit brought in. Is that something that would be be viable there? So the the key thing with speed limits is that they need to be appropriate for the uh, for the situation. So um, I'm sure many I'm sure many listeners will have um, struggled to drive over the mountain at 40 miles an hour over the uh, over, over the lockdown period because that road uh, isn't a 40 mile per hour road. Um, so the way the department works uh, in conjunction with Home Affairs etc. is to look at the individual situation and. Uh, 
it's not possible to generalise in the way that uh, that Mr. Shimmins tried to do with his motion last week, where he said, you know, around town, all urban roads should be 20 and narrow rural roads, whatever they are, should be 30. It needs a far more nuanced approach. Um, and it's about applying that. It's about being clear on where we're trying to go, which is to get fewer deaths and roads that are usable for, for, for all users. Um, and we need to uh, do better than we're doing at the moment. You mentioned local authorities. Clearly, we need to we need to work with them. We need to do it with the community because clearly, um, if you put things in place that the community doesn't buy into, then uh, it's going to be difficult to uh, get the intended results from it. Um, but uh, there's a long there's a long way to go. Um, but the the action plan sets out how we're going to get there, and it was laid down as a ten year action plan. Um, we need to push on with it, and that's what we're going to do. How important is it when tackling issues like this that it is bespoke to each area? There isn't going to be a, a one-size-fits-all solution, surely? No, absolutely. It has to, it has to be. Um, you know, it's, again, Mr Shimmins' motion last week, uh, which he brought, um, and, and, and I amended uh, to, to, to basically point everybody away from that one-size-fits-all approach and towards the road safety strategy and the road safety action plan. Um, some of that seems to have been lost a little bit in, in, in the reaction to Mr Shimmins' motion, but uh, what we're saying is you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach. It has to be bespoke. Um, there's many, many uh, di- dimensions to this, um, you know, w- where the road is, uh, how it's structured, the, the visibility, the width, the surface, um, the, the, the accesses on and, on and off the road. Many, many factors. You have to take all of these into account, and that's... That's what um, the, the professionals in, the, in, in in highway working with home affairs, police, constabulary, etc., uh, looking at the data, being evidence led. That's the, that's the way to do these sort of things. We had a few comments from listeners on um, on the St Mark's story talking about road signs and how sometimes hedges, trees, when they're overgrown, they can obscure yep. speed limit signs. Is that something your department's looking at? So again, we we, we do have a mixed a mixed bag in terms of uh, hedges and uh, the the responsibility for trimming, which are split due to um, due, due to a policy that a previous uh, Minister for Infrastructure introduced and put the responsibility into uh, local authorities uh, for for hedge trimming in certain areas and, and also sort of gully and gully maintenance as well. Um, so we need to we need to look at that but absolutely we need to be um, on top of the basic maintenance of, uh, of hedges and, and, and roads um, because clearly if, if you're obscuring signage whoever's responsibility it is that's that's not a helpful thing so uh, yes is a short answer having different authorities responsible um, for different areas then can that confuse the situation a little if everyone's got their own program in place yes it can and uh, one of the things I want to look at I mean obviously I've been into the, I've been the minister for less than two months um, it's a big department there's many things uh, that it's responsible for um, but uh, what I want to do is to uh, ensure that the department has uh, the right responsibilities and where we need to adjust some of those in, in, in conjunction with, uh, with, with other bodies, whether it be other departments or local authorities. I want to do that because um, it doesn't help uh, to have responsibilities split across different entities. You've seen that with the Arrow report into the Laxey flooding that pointed to uh, no, no focal point and a lack of accountability and uh, we have to we have to be better than that. We've seen particularly with areas like Governor's Bridge recently, it can be confusing if signs are not clear. How mm-hmm. important is it that this is you know signs are clear? Well, absolutely. There's the, there's no there's no downside from from clarity as there never is. It's it's always helpful. Uh, I mean, clearly you pointed to the Governor's Bridge situation, which is uh, a short term arrangement, but. Um, you know, it's 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 a wider picture, and uh, we need to make sure that road users are helped, but also road users take their own responsibilities as well, because it's very easy for uh, drivers to pass the buck onto uh, on, on onto others. We all have to take responsibility for our own actions, and you know, we choose the speed at which we we drive at. So, um, people need to be very mindful of that, and of you know driving sensibly, making sure their cars are in good order, that, it, that they're taxed and insured, um, that, they're, that they are fit to drive um, and that they drive in manners which are appropriate to the, to the conditions. That was Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker speaking to Sean Cowper. 
Since those interviews took place, Manx Radio's received comment from the police on that report from St Mark's. Sergeant Mike Taylor of the Roads Policing Unit says the average speed of vehicles travelling through the area is recorded as 35 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone, with the existing traffic calming measures currently in place. He noted during his review of the date that one vehicle was reported to have travelled through the area at 90 miles an hour during that analysis period, which is one vehicle too many driving at such dangerous speeds and too many travelling at above the speed limit on average. Police frequently perform speed detection around various locations on the island which are directed by demand, data provided by the DOI and feedback through public interaction via our social media channels. That's from Sergeant Mike Taylor of the Roads Policing Unit. And Community Inspector Paul Kemp says police are aware of the concerns of residents in this area and officers from the Roads Policing Unit. Community teams and patrol teams routinely enforce the speed limits with the use of speed detection devices. We treat the issue of speeding extremely seriously as it is one of the fatal five which refers to the main causes of serious collisions. The others are seatbelts, mobile phone offences, drink and drug driving and careless driving. We are aware of the findings of the speed analysis run by the DOI and we'll be working with them and the local authority to review the current measures that are in place. That's Community Inspector Paul Kemp. He continued the Roads Policing Unit and South Community Team are scheduled to meet with Maloo Commissioners and Jason Morehouse, MHK, That's on the 12th of August, where this matter will be reviewed. We would expect the public to care about their community, and this means keeping to speed limits. Where issues are highlighted and resources allow, we will look to target and prosecute offenders, Mr Kemp says. So what the island's future policy on speed limits will look like should become clearer after the October sitting of Timwald, and we'll hear more on St Mark's after that meeting, of course. As Kate Lord Brennan, MLC, said, it's a divisive topic with strong views from different sides of the debate. I expect that won't change any time soon. Thanks for listening. Take care.